Hello, Craig. How are you, mate? All right? Yeah, yeah good, you? Um, welcome to our podcast. Nice to be here. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, Hi, Freddie. You're right, mate. I'm good, thanks. Um, would you like me to introduce you? Yeah, yeah, go for it. If you want, you can add on okay. to it. Okay, so... Craig is a former professional, former player and coach. He played in the UK and had spells in the US. He started his career at West Brom, moving to Coventry City and then to the US, attending Cumberland University and playing at Nashville Metros. After his spell in the US, he moved back to the UK and played non-league football before becoming a coach. Craig has coached Coventry City ladies and West Brom women's within the WPL Southern and the th- three country county cups. Craig set up a coaching school for kids with his dad 13 years ago. Craig's dad is also a former player. That's uh, pretty much spot on. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think the, the the business has been going a little bit longer now. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, me and my dad started it. Um, it was, he'd been over to the States to see um, myself play and stuff and saw what the uh, the quality was like over there and how the coaching schools worked over there and decided that um, we, we would do it, we'd do it when we got back here and, um yeah, it's gone from strength to strength, really, starting from sort of like 10 kids on a Saturday morning to sort of 90 kids plus, you know, the teams that we've got going and after school sessions. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's grown uh, rapidly over the last uh, sort of 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, um, about your career, what team did you most enjoy playing for? Um, so, I mean, I had an absolutely fantastic time as a, as a young sort of, uh, academy footballer at both West Brom and Coventry. Um, you know, there's no, no better feeling than sort of putting on a professional football shirt and, you know, being part of a club, um, you know, that, that bigger club. But then obviously when I moved to America and started playing at university, um, if, if you don't know what the university system's like in the States, you're talking sort of 10,000 people coming to watch your, your matches and, you know, it was uh, it was very different, and uh, you know, foot, uh, sport in general in America is is um, you know well watched, and people love to you know make a make a day of any kind of sporting event that they're watching. So it was uh, it was a completely different experience, but it was one that was you know it was uh, fantastic for me as a player. But then obviously moving forward and uh, as a coach and and stuff and and seeing how it all worked over there. Lovely. Um... Uh, um, why did you decide to get into the the women's game, especially as a, like a coach? So it, it actually happened when I was in the states. So um, because of obviously finances and stuff like that, I, I'd stay over in America in the summer holidays, um, and yeah. I I started working for Tennessee Football Club, which is like a, a grassroots um, style football football club, and I just started doing their summer camps really, and working with a couple of lads who were English lads who were, were already living in America and and stuff, and uh, I just started to get into it. And women's football in in the states is, is huge; it's the biggest participating sport for for, for females yeah. in the country. So. Um, you know, there was a lot of girls on the on the um, on the camps. I mean, obviously, if you've been to football camps in this country, you know, predominantly you're probably talking 80, 90 percent of boys. You know, it was very 50, 50, yeah. even sometimes 60, 40 in favour of, of girls. So I kind of got into it and started understanding, you know, the difference between sort of boys football and girls football. And, and in the end, I, uh, 
I took over a um, a girls' football team through Tennessee Football Club and started working with the under-14s as a, as a kind of assistant coach, really, just kind of getting an idea of how it all works. And it just grew from that, really. I yeah. just felt that when I come back to, to England, it was it was something I'd like to, to get involved in because there was so much potential that was not being, mm-hmm. not being used over here. And, you know, you can see now how big the, the women's game has, has become. But when I first came back in yeah. early early 2000s, it was you know, a handful of footballers were playing, uh, you know, in, in girls' football. And a lot of girls that were playing football were, were probably playing for boys' teams. Mm. Yeah. Um, when when you're coaching, what do you think the most important thing is to teach young people? Um, there's, a, there's a number of things, really. Uh, you know, with, with, the, with the real young, young ones, you know, I think we need to look at sort of the technical stuff. So you're talking that, you know, you're running with the ball and you're passing and receiving and, you know, all those kind of the the simplicity things and, you know, being comfortable on the football. So being able to manipulate the ball in different directions and using different parts of your feet, you know, and then as you get older, you start to build up into more of the the game situation and the game knowledge and understanding. I think we put a lot of pressure on, on kids in this country to join teams very, very early and they unfortunately they yeah. don't really know what they're doing within a game, um, and technically maybe not you know proficient enough in the game, and it puts a lot of pressure on them at such a young age. And you know you see a lot of players getting to sort of thirteen, fourteen who have played for teams from the age of sort of five or six, and they kind of lose the love of the game. So you know if you can have that sort of three yeah. or four years to start with, that's more about the technical side and the fun element of, of football. Then uh, you know I think that's the best thing to do, but. As I say, as you get older, then you start to build in all the other aspects of the tactical side of things and, you know, looking at yeah. the, even even like little bits of fitness work as you start to get into your kind of early teens. Because as you as you get that little bit older, you're not as maybe sharp, you're not as maybe fit. You'd say you need to start working on those little aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to like your coaching and stuff, as we were saying, um, did you enjoy coaching the West Brom women's and the Coventry City women's. And what did it feel like winning the, those four trophies? Uh, oh, amazing. Um, the, the Coventry, the Coventry uh, job was my first proper job as a manager. Um, so I'd done little bits here and there. I'd, I'd, I'd gone and worked for Birmingham and West Midlands Police just to kind of support them because they were, they were like, um, yeah. they needed someone to kind of help with some coaching sessions. So I started to do that. And then I got the job at Coventry and, I didn't think I'd get it. I went to the interview thinking, oh, I'll go to the interview to get a bit of experience, got the job. And basically the remit was that we, you know, we needed to be sort of mid-table. It was a new new, new manager, a lot of new players coming in, some younger players coming in. And yeah. we just put a side together that were absolutely dedicated to to winning football matches. And I, I, I'm a winner. I, I don't like losing football. It upsets me, it, you know, ruins my weekend. So... I think I had that drive that the players saw that I had that drive and they, they kind of picked up on it and, you know, continue it on yeah. the pitch. And it was, it was an unbelievable uh, year. We had, you know, we had three games at the end of the season where we needed to get nine points and we had to, we had to play yeah. three away games and we had to beat, um, mm-hmm. we had to beat Gillingham away. We had to beat Portsmouth away on the last game of the season and we had to beat uh, Charlton away. And, you know, you'd look at that and you'd think, well, yeah, you're not going to win win those three games away from home. And the Gillingham game is the important one because Gillingham were uh, top 
Um, and if they if, if yeah. they'd have drew the game with us, then we we wouldn't have been able to have caught them. And fortunately, we we beat them and then moved on to to Portsmouth and and beat them one nil away from home. So that was an amazing amazing year, and will always be in my mind about how we did things and some of the stuff that we did that year. I've replicated with other teams and. Moving on to West Brom was very different. We we came into West Brom after um, they they'd won that they'd won their league um, and the manager had left and a lot of the players were a little bit uncertain of, of the futures and a few of them were getting you know a little bit older and a little bit less kind of interested in playing. So we we had a big sort of change around and moved a lot of players out and moved a lot of younger players in and really we it was a diffi- it was a tough one. It was a really tough year because we had to we really had to kind of just drag ourselves through the season and just get results when we can. And yeah. to be fair, we won the County Cup that year against Coventry, my old team. And um, yeah. we got, I think we came fourth or fifth in the league, which really looking at the players we had, I mean, I think we had a, I think we had a sort of average age of like 19, 20 for most games, which at that yeah. level is, you know, quite young. So um, very different kind of experience from Coventry, but one that has probably given me a lot of ideas and understanding of things to do and things not to do for, for future jobs and opportunities. Yeah. Is, is, is there any particular game that you remember for West Brom and for Coventry? So the Coventry one that I remember would probably be, well, there's, there's two with the Coventry. There's the away at Gillingham. Um, interesting story. Yeah. We got to Gillingham and... They'd actually put the two trophies that I'd already won that year outside the changing rooms to kind of get get into yeah. our, our heads that, you know, oh, look, we're going for the treble. We can win the league if we beat you today, this kind of thing. Yeah. And we just got in the changing rooms. And one of the girls, Annabelle Johnson, who played for me, who's now playing at Crystal Palace, just looked at me and she went, we can't lose. We can't let this happen today. And we yeah. went out and won. And we won 3-0 and we were absolutely unbelievable, but the best game I think I've ever been involved in. Um, so that was one. The Portsmouth game then to win the league, we, we went 1-0 up after eight minutes and then just shut up, shut up yeah. shop and defended for the rest of the game. And we we're well under pressure, but we, yeah. we got through it. So, so again, it was a completely different style of game, but one that will uh, stay with me. And then West Brom, probably yeah. the County Cup final against Coventry because we came into that yeah. game completely the underdogs, didn't expect to be winning the game at all. Yeah went to extra time and penalties um, and, and we won it on penalties. And um, the interesting story about that is I actually was stood on the side and my assistant was talking to me and I was saying to him, the players that were coming out for Coventry to take penalties, I, I, the two that missed, I, I'd said to my uh, assistant, Paul, they'll miss these, they'll miss these. And they did. Um, so that was uh, quite a, quite an interesting yeah. one, that game. Mm-hmm. Um. Was was there a, a certain game like, especially with that one? Were you were you nervous at all in any games or like any of the finals you were in? Yeah, I think I think you always get a little bit nervous, but I think it's sometimes it's excitement. Um, it, it's the you know it's the adrenaline of being into in a final. Um, you know the, the the last game of the season at Portsmouth, we arranged Coventry arranged for like four or five bus coaches for, for fans and friends and family to come down. So. You know, there was quite a decent crowd there and stuff. So, you know, it had its kind yeah. of, um, you know, you, you, you were nervous because you were obviously in front of more people that you knew. Um, and then the West Brom Coventry one was obviously because you're playing against your old team and you know everybody. And it, and it, ha- it just so happens that the, the, the manager at Coventry at the time was my old reserve team manager that had took over. So 
you kind yeah. of, in a way, you don't want to lose your old reserve team manager. So there's a little yeah. bit of a nerves there. But I, I'm just excited mm-hmm. being on the sidelines and, and stuff. And I kind of, yeah. I, I just like being in that environment. Yeah. Um, like, to, to, for modern day football, what do you think the effect of fans is on players um, and like the positive effect that they have on people? Well, I think, I mean, I don't know whether you watched the games last night, um, but I think yeah. you can see how much of an effect the, the fans have on the players when they're playing games because the two games last night were very, yeah. you know, very kind of passive, not really much going on. The atmosphere is not yeah. quite there. So I think I think fans have a big part to play. You know, you turn up and you've got someone chanting your name, you know, it, it's going to give you that little boost that you, you need and, Vice versa, then somebody could be shouting and screaming at you for doing something wrong, and it might have a negative effect on you. So fans, yeah. are, fans are important to to any sport, um, you know. And we're seeing at the moment how how difficult maybe it is for you know for sports to, to to carry on without fans. You know, you've got Royal Ascot, the racing this week with no fans. You've got all the football starting again with no fans. So they're a mass, they're a massive part of of any sport. Um, you know, even at Hales, I mean, now when I'm working, um, you know, we've had matches this year in the FA Trophy and we've taken sort of 400, 500 fans to away games. And it's, you know, it, yeah. it's give the players an extra 20% boost to go and win the game. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's key to our fans at, at any sport. Yeah. Um, going back to your career, um, what position did you play? I, I was a... I was a, I was a bit of a James Milner lads. I was a bit of a I could play most yeah. positions. Um, as you said mm-hmm. earlier, Elliot, my dad was a coach and and had played. So yeah. as a kid, I'd done a lot of kind of technical work, and you know, I was I was technically proficient in in most areas. So I could go and be a centre midfielder and and break the box. I could go and be a centre midfielder and sit in front of the back four. I could play as a right back and and bomb down the wing and. You know, I, I, so I, I, so yeah. I did a number of positions and I think it's one of the things that held me back a little bit because I didn't have a specific role within most of the teams I played for. I, I ended yeah. up kind of like if anybody was injured, I would play in that position. Um, you know, so I never really had that consistency um, as, a, as, a, as a young player. And I think when I moved into non-league, when I come back from the States, I became a little bit more um, sort of pigeonholed into one position and played as a centre midfielder for for the vast majority, yeah. but there was always the odd games where if someone wasn't available or whatever, I'd, I'd, I'd pop in at right back or left back. And, you know, I've even done a you know, centre half role and that's not easy to be five yeah. foot nine and you're playing against a big six foot four striker. Yeah. <laughs> was, there, was there any particular position that you enjoyed playing the most? Yeah, I, I enjoy, um, I, I enjoy playing that sort of centre midfield role as a, as a, almost as a defensive midfielder, just breaking up play and, and, and then sort of getting the ball out to players and letting them go forward. Um, I think I found over the years, particularly in non-league football, there's, there's, there can be a lack of discipline by players because, you know, naturally players want to go and be effective and go forward and, and win football matches and score great goals and stuff. So I kind of moulded myself yeah. into a bit more of a, Almost like a Scott Parker style role where you just sit in front of the back ball and cut things yeah. out and then give it to players that, that want to go and be expressive. So, yes, yeah, sort of that little number four role in the, in the front of the back four was, uh, was something I, I really enjoyed doing. And I, I quite enjoyed the tackle, so I was, I was not afraid in that little area to put me foot yeah. in. Uh, do, do you do you miss playing a lot, or do you not really think about it, or like you do you enjoy coaching more than you do playing? 
at the moment? Um, I, I love the coaching. Absolutely love it. Um, and over the last couple of years, I've been working with Redditch United and Hales Owen as a first team coach. So, you know, not being the manager, but being mm. the coach has been great because it, it's given me a little bit more license to, to try things and work on things and not have to have that pressure of, of making the decisions on who's playing and who's starting. So, you know, you can really focus on what you want to get out of uh, the training sessions. But yeah, I do, I do miss, yeah. do miss playing. Um, we did a social distancing session at Hales Owen on Tuesday and um just for the numbers, I had to just make up a, make up uh, the numbers in a couple of the sessions. You know, just having a little about with the yeah. lads, he's just, he, enough, he brings back those memories of playing, and definitely, I, I definitely miss it. But you know, you've got to prioritise um, one thing or another. And obviously, I'm I'm forty this year, lads. Though those days have probably passed now. Yeah. 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 Um, go back to your career. Did, did you have any injuries? And if you, if you did, and how did you cope with them? Or was there a, like a particular one which really affected you? Yeah, so I had um, I had a few injuries, to be fair. I, I had the usual ones, like the little hamstring injuries and, and bits and pieces and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, little, little knocks here and there. But to be fair, I was never really out for a long time until I broke, I, I broke my leg in two places playing for um, Alvechurch. Um, against Stuttgart. it was a bank holiday game and I I went to block a shot and I, and I blocked the I blocked it and then the lads kicked my ankle instead of kicking the ball and it, it just broke, broke yeah. in two places and I was out for I think I was out for about 18 months because I damaged all the ligaments in my ankle and stuff so you yeah. know that was it that was a year of, of of not playing and it affected obviously the bit I was working for the business so I was like hobbling around on crutches and uh, couldn't couldn't drive yeah. to anywhere and stuff like that so yeah, that was that was probably the biggest injury I had, um, and it affects your well-being. It affects your mental state because you, you know, you're not doing what you, you you're always doing, and and yeah. you know, going and it's, you know, even being in the changing rooms with the lads and and having that kind of time and stuff was was very very difficult and stuff. And it took me took me an awful long time to get back, you know. And I'm not, I'm I'm pretty fit. I've always been pretty fit and active and stuff. And I, you know. Um, Lads who have played with will always say to you, know, you know, like, like Craig will just run around, keep running, keep running, keep running, and it took me a long, long time to get back to the the top fit I had yeah. previous. And to be honest, I probably haven't ever been as fit as I was before that injury. Yeah. Um. After you were fit to play again, did did you get did you get that drive to you know get you back to where you once were? Yeah, definitely. Um. You know you. You, you always want to get as high as you can and always want to do as much as you can. And um, the issue was, is because you've been out for such a long time, it's, it's, it's getting someone to take a chance on you and get you back in playing. And, you know, fortunately, the, the managers I had at Alva Church had moved on to another team. And once I was back fit, we kind of spoke and discussed that they'd get me in and, and I'd, I'd get back training pre-season and that kind of thing. And, and that year, actually, I signed for, it was for Highgate United, which are based in sort of Solihull. Um and I, yeah. he made me captain that year, and uh, we ke- we came second in the league that year, and had a really good season. And it was just good to be back, just yeah. not necessarily sort of the, the push for promotion, but just enjoying your football again after such a long time out. Yeah. Um. Uh, is um. Is is it? I don't know if you scored much, but if if you did. Um, what goal did you enjoy the most and, and how many did you score in your career? 
Oh, right. Uh, let's have a think. That's, that's a tough one, that is. I was never prolific. Yeah. To be fair, I say that. I, as a kid, I played as a striker um, and I, 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 yeah. I scored quite a few goals for, for my grassroots team. I played for Hanbury, which is where Meadow Park is now. Um, I, I, yeah. I scored quite a few when I was a kid. And then as I got older and my, my, my position changed, I was I was lot less kind of in those goal-scoring positions. But I'd probably say my best, my best goal was playing for... Eversham United, um, yeah, and I hit a volley from about twenty-five yards, thirty yards out um, against. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been. It might have been Studley, or it might. I think it was a local team. It was a bit of a local derby. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I just hit a volley from the edge of the box, and it just looped over the keeper. And I was, I was not very old. That was before I'd gone to the states. Um, I just, I'd just yeah. been released from Coventry and gone to Eversham just to get some playing time. Um, I was about yeah. sort of seventeen. Um, yeah, and I, I, that was that was probably one. And then another one was when I was in America, and my mum and dad had come over to watch me play, um, and I and I scored uh, just a, just a, I think a tap in at the back post. But it was just lovely that my parents were there and they'd come over to see me, and I, yeah. I got that opportunity to to score whilst they were whilst they were watching. Um, how many teams did you play for while you were in the US? So I played um, I played for Cumberland University, obviously, through my scholarship. And then I played for uh, Nashville Metros, um, which were like um, – they're, they're in the A-League, which is sort of similar to, say, like the level of our sort of first division. Um, so I played yeah. for them um, for a little bit. And then I when I had to come – I had to then come back from the States uh, due to uh, – well, nine, when nine eleven happened, um, they stopped giving out working yeah. visas to people in America. So I, my working visa was pulled, so I had to come back. Um, so I was playing for them, and then I played for I played for Nashville Metros over the summer as well. They used to have what like a summer um, yeah. in America. They do a lot of summer leagues where they do like sort of seven aside leagues, but they're actually yeah. um, it's not like our sort of seven aside leagues over here. They're actually like professional yeah. leagues. Um, and it, it was quite an interesting thing to be be part of. It was like a, you know a summer seven aside league. It was uh, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, then like the seven aside games, is 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 football in America a drastic change compared to how it is in the the UK? Um, when so when I was there, which was sort of nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and one. Football or soccer was, it was still kind of growing in America. You know, you got a lot of mm. got a lot of American players who had not really played that much and didn't really know the game so yeah. well. And then on the flip side of that, then you got a lot of coaches from abroad. So you got a lot of English coaches, a lot of Dutch and uh, Norwegian coaches, Australian coaches who had gone to America yeah. to kind of start working in in football over there. And um, so when I was there, it was a kind of you had two sides of it. You had the European players who had been brought over by these coaches who knew the game and understood it. And then you got the American players yeah. who were over there who were still learning it. So you almost, I almost yeah. came into it as a re- like a really experienced footballer, even at the age of kind of 18. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very, very different, very different. Um, I'd say a lot slower. I'd say a lot more was put yeah. on kind of set pieces. If you ever, if you ever watched American football and basketball, a lot is made up of set pieces and kind yeah. of, you know, those plays and stuff like that. Um, whereas over here, everything's a little bit more kind of reactive and everybody's, you know, doing different things and stuff. And 
yeah, it was it was very different. But I think now um, it's it's caught up quite a lot. It's probably still not quite there yet. But I, but if one thing America will do, they'll back it and they'll finance it and they'll they'll put the money into it to to improve it because they what they want to do ultimately is be the best at any sport they take part in. Yeah. Um, growing up, was there? Did you? Who was your favourite player? Um, so I, Frank Lampard was my, one of my favourite players. Um, I love Frank Lampard at yeah. Chelsea. I thought he was absolutely superb, and um, you know, I used to love the way he break the box and, and and score goals from deep. And you know, I used to watch his movement quite a lot. Scott Parker, I mentioned earlier, because um, he kind of played in a similar yeah. role, and he's a similar age to me. And um, so obviously, I used to watch yeah. him. Um, you know, even even when he was playing and I was playing at non-league level, I'd still watch him to kind of pick up on things he was doing. And then, yeah. and then uh, when I was sort of watching sort of the Villa as a as a as a fan, um, Lee Hendry, I used to love watching Lee Hendry play. Uh, yeah. You know, he was one of those players that he was so passionate about. You know, being a Villa player and being a Villa fan at the same time, a bit like Greenish now. Um, you know, and yeah. yeah, it was really interesting watching his career as well because he's. He's only a couple of years older than me, so I used to remember him being talked about through the academy structure of, you know, this next player that's coming through at the Villa and, and stuff. And obviously, you know, he, he yeah. got to represent England as well. Mm. Um, when you were growing up, uh, your dad played for, I think, who did he play for? So he played for, he, he, he only played, he played for Blues when he was a kid. Um, and he played yeah. then for, um, he was picked up from Shenley Radford, which is a, uh, sort of junior team, a grassroots team in Northfield. Um, and he played for there, yeah. went to Blues. And then he kind of played some non-league, played at Alve Church, played at Northfield Town, played at Adbury Athletic, um, those kind of things. Um, he, My dad was a real good runner as a kid. That's where yeah. I kind of got my fitness from. So he he ran nationally for sort of, uh, for England, doing like um, 800 metres and 1500 metres. So yeah. I think at times when he was younger, he had to make a decision between sort of running and football. And I think foot, uh, I think running was the kind of priority because of the fact it was, you know, he was running nationally. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. He, he, he played. But my dad, my dad always says he, he's a better coach than he was a player. He, he, he's very, he's very yeah. knowledgeable about the game. Um, he understands it, you know, he's, even last night watching the Villa game, he's texting me and saying, like, you know, um, did you see that movement from Oliver Norwood from Sheffield United and this kind of thing? So he's he's a bit of a student of the game. He enjoys watching it, enjoys, the, you know, um, yeah. you know, learning from what what the players are doing and what the coaches are doing as well. You know, he's he's got endless books on on coaches, you know, like Pep Guardiola, Ancelotti, Ferguson yeah. and uh, Benitez, you know, and he, he'll sit and read them and stuff, you know, to, to find out what they're doing. Yeah. Um. When what what advice did your dad give you when you were younger about pursuing football? I think his main advice was to firstly to enjoy what you're doing. Is you know if you're not enjoying it, then you might need to have a look at why you're doing it. Um. And then secondly, to 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 be your own person. Um. And what I mean by that is, yeah. he's like, although you're playing in a team environment, and and obviously the team is the is how things happen and how you achieve. Sometimes you have to be a little bit yeah. selfish to to get what you want. Um, so maybe you have to kind of block out players, whether they're opposition players or players that are on your team. And you know, so you kind yeah. of you developing yourself. Um, because ultimately, if you're doing the best that you can do, it will have a better effect on the team. So yeah, it was um, yeah. 
those two things were, were key to his, um, you know, his advice to me. And also to to practice, you know, to practice, practice, practice. Don't ever think that you're, you know, you've, you've done everything and you're, you're, you're as good as you could be because there's always more that you can do. Um, when 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 you were a coach, is there any particular player which you coached which you thought like, wow, they're they're really really good. They're going to go on to be a, an amazing player. So from from a younger from a younger player, um, like when you were coaching at Coventry and West Brom. Yeah, Brand. so um, there's a girl at the moment. Well, there was one that I mentioned earlier, Annabelle Johnson, who is now playing for Crystal Palace. Uh, she was a full, she played yeah. as a fullback. She was a bit of out of the sort of Trent Alexander Arnold mould, you know, bombing forward, can get on a, a crossing, yeah. great distribution, tena- tenacious. So she'd be one. And then another one, um, a girl called Ash Neville, who is playing for Tottenham yeah. at the moment. Um, she came to us at Coventry when uh, when I first joined. Um, she was the first player I signed. Um, I was playing yeah. for West Brom. I spoke to the chairman at Coventry and said, look, I want to get this girl in. And she was really, really close yeah. to a lot of the girls at, at West Brom. So we really had a, had a, had a big push to get her to come, to come over to Coventry. Um, she did. Mm. And she, she, was, she was brilliant for us for, for two years. And then look, luckily, I say luckily, um, with all the work she's put in, she's now playing at Spurs. And to be fair, I, I, yeah. I, mean, I messaged her the other day, actually, because she was uh, she put like a little montage of her, of her season with Tottenham last year. And I said, you know, you, your next priority yeah. is, is the England squad. You know, you've got to try and make that England squad. And I, I firmly believe that she can do it. Yeah. Um, uh, what, how did you achieve your coaching badges? So I started um, started at uni. So when I was at, at, in the States, I started doing um, the American versions of our kind of level one, FA level ones and FA level twos. Yeah. Uh, I then did my uh, what's called the USSFB license, which is the same as like the UEFA B license over here. Came back to England, yeah. did my B license over here as well, um, and then I kind of had a break from the from the coaching courses just to kind of start actually yeah. practicing coaching. Um, I think there's a lot of mm. a lot of coaches seem to want to try and do, you know, sort of coaching badge after coaching badge after coaching badge, and actually you're not you're not putting into yeah. practice what you're learning. So I had a good few years off from doing anything. And then I, um, then I did my youth, youth module awards uh, in two and three. Yeah. And then I've just completed my A licence um, over the last sort of two months. So, uh, you know, and now obviously with the A licence, it's an opportunity for me to really, really put into practice the things that I've learned because um, the detail within the A licence is just absolutely unbelievable. You know, the things that you start to look at yeah. that you've never even thought about before, you know, things particularly things about the uh, position-specific coaching, so looking at the, the positions and how different positions need different coaching methods and different coaching strategies. Um, you know, it's not just a case of just rocking up and having 16 people doing a session. Why does that session affect every player? How can you make it affect every player? So, you know, it's definitely broadened my sort of mindset on on what you coach and how to coach. Yeah. Um Looking, looking back on your player career, is there anything that you would have done differently in any sort of way? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when I was when I was younger and I was at I was obviously at West Brom and Coventry. There's 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 there's, 
there's a reason why they they released me, you know. And one of the one of the yeah. re- I think the, the main reason was that I got released was was one was I wasn't that I wasn't that big. I was only small. So maybe did I need to work on you know making myself stronger? Don't know whether that would be something that yeah. you know I would I would tell players now and um, that we coach that you know if you are on the smaller side that you might need to 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 work a little bit on strength or at least how to look a bit stronger and how to act stronger on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and also yeah. I was I found it sometimes I was quite quick to get psyched out of, out of games against other other players. Yeah. So not necessarily my own players but opposition. So if I played against someone that I, you know, had got a good reputation at that age, I'd often sort of shy away from things a little bit. Um, so I think yeah. that was, I think, I think I was a bit of a late developer when it comes to football. I kind of, I kind of matured yeah. probably after I went to university. I think probably before university and at the academy level, I might have been a little bit immature at times and not really understood, yeah. you know, the mindset and and the kind of psychology of things. Yeah. Um, my last question is, uh, what, what advice would you give to a young person who has a dream of pursuing football? Work hard, work hard, try and take as many opportunities as you can. So if you're, if you're playing, you know, you, you, you want to be, you want to be involved in football as much as you can, but don't rush it. You know, there's, there's opportunities there for, you know, it's not just a case of, you know, you need to be a footballer at the age of seven, you know, you, 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 you yeah. need to to understand that it's a it's it's a long it's a longevity kind of thing. So, um, you yeah. know, but you want to be playing, you want to be involved in some capacity. So whether it's going to football camps or clubs or or one to one sessions or whatever it is, you know, get involved with doing it. Um, and then from the coaching side, he's good. Be a student at a game. Um, you know, I. I I spent a lot of time, my dad will tell you, sitting there watching reruns of Match of the Day on a Sunday morning two or three times after watching it on a Saturday night, just watching, watching yeah. players, watching, you know, uh, positions and watching tactics and what did managers change and this, that and the other, and then trying to replicate these things in, in training sessions with teams that I've, I've worked with and, you know, re- read the books of managers, read the books of players um, to give you that more kind of knowledge of, of the game and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and as yeah. I said earlier, you know, if you're enjoying it, keep doing it, keep doing things that you enjoy, um, you know, and that and that's it. I think once you lose the love of the game, there's no real kind of passion there. Then I, I sometimes wonder why yeah. why players do it or why people get it, are still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's all my questions then. I don't know if Freddie's got any. Uh, no, it's been an honour to have you on our podcast. You know, that's, that's all right. To you, that's brilliant. No worries, boys. I'm I'm chuffed that you've uh, you've started doing it, and it's uh, great. Um, I hope it continues. Thank you. Yeah. Thank no worries, you. boys. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Cheers, See you guys. Later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. I'm not going to be able to do that.